unfortunately, when people get out of a crisis, they tend to revert back to an old familiar story of who they are. I like people reinventing themselves, creating new identities, new personalities, yeah. saying, you know, a personality is all basically you're saying yes to. What you're saying yes to, you're saying yes to what you, you think you are. Series two of the One Year No Beer podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer podcast. I am your host, Ruri Fairbairns. Today, I am rejoined, rejoined because... We've been here before, and I'm very excited to have you back on the show by the lovely Pete Cohen, who's an absolute legend, by the way. Also, life coach, best-selling author, speaker, international speaker, um, podcaster, legend in your own underpants, yes, as they say. And a um, really good bloke. And a good bloke, Yeah, says your mum. Yeah. <laughs> no, I say that too. Legend. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Good to good to have you again. So, how have you been? It's been a since I last saw you. It's been probably how would how would I put this into words? You know that expression, your biggest test is your biggest testimonial. Yeah, have you heard that before? Yeah. W- yeah. Would you Would you agree with that? With from your own kind 100%. of life? I, I'm more looking at it like I can't wait for the TED talk. Uh, yeah, when I go through the absolute. Have you not done a TED talk the, yet? No, not yet. I'm saving it for the big one. That really surprises me. <laughs> Do you so, know anyone? Uh, yeah, of course. Great intro. Absolutely. No, intro. consider that Your done. Your guys call my guys. Yeah. Well, let's face it. Let's. Do, why don't we just start off with how we actually met? Yeah. By, I, I was invited to an event, and uh, it was by a guy called Joe Dispenza, who to me, Dispenza. not Joe Dispenza, sorry, Joe Disana. Sorry, he's a Joe Dispenza. Joe Disana. his name right. You're Joe like Disana. <laughs> Joe Disana. He'd kill me when he listens to this. He probably will. Um, and I was invited to an event and you were there. Uh, yeah. How did you meet Joe? Um, so which event was that? It was, an, it was a meal. It was, I don't know what it was for, but it oh, was yeah. in London somewhere. That was my event, wasn't it? That's it was it your was, event, and I was, was invited. You crashed it. I crashed it. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't really know anything about one year no beer. No. Um, but one thing's for sure: over the last four or five years, I have come across it a lot mm. because of the amount of people I've met who have been a part of it, and it's just been a massive game changer for people. Yeah. You know, it's a real breath of fresh air, and I think you've taken that space of addiction. Um, and done something really refreshing with it. You've made it kind of like sexy and fun and an adventure. Look at me, I'm not drinking, as opposed to, oh, God, I'm not drinking. And I've just seen that it's really inspired so many people, but not just... I think what you've also done really well is you've helped people You stop that behavior and then introduce better behaviors, yeah. namely exercise and activity. And you've created a movement, and I think... That's a really difficult thing to do, I think, from yeah. from my experience, to create something that moves on its own, that you don't have to keep moving it, which I'm sure you do. Yeah. But um, oh no, I think it would keep going. But thank you, thank you for what you've said, and you know, it is it is an amazing thing. It's it's an amazing thing. Why? What, what, in, in as you reflect back, 
So if, let me ask you a question. If you could go back to before it started and you could look at where you've come now, would you have said that that was possible? I thought I was going to do it when I was 14. Really? <laughs> Not one year no beer. Um, and maybe um, ego, maybe, uh, you know, a, a warped sense of being different. But, you know, I was I was very different to other kids. Um, ADHD, it didn't fit in. My parents called me special a lot. Uh, and that drove an identity idea of being special. Um, and I thought I was going to change the world before, by the time I was 30. So um, when you were 14, you said, right? Mm. What is it that you thought you might do? Did you have an idea of what that might be? No, I didn't. And I tried five businesses by the time I was 25, and they all failed. And what were the businesses? What do you think they all had in common? Me at the helm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and what, what was it? Like they, wanting they fame had, and fortune, or was it you just wanted to make a difference, and was, was it a bit of all of it? A bit of all of it. I think, I think you know, I'd been a huge attention seeker as a child, um, and and saw a way to you know one of five kids to hard to get attention. So I saw that, but I also had enormous drive. And then you know I, I saw this interesting piece of research the other day, and they were talking about what separates the incredibly successful, so like billionaires, and it's really come down to three core things. Um, the first being that they have a superiority complex, um, and so. Yes, it's, you know, feeling different and 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 like I was better than everyone else in a way, I guess. Yeah. Um, two, they're incredibly insecure. Yep, hundred percent, incredibly insecure. And actually, those two, although seem uh, opposites of each other, are, are both drivers of a similar sort of type of behavior. And then the third one, and the reason why I'm not a billionaire yet, is impulse control, uh, and that's something I still struggle with. So you know that that's <laughs> funny how we talk about um, Joe Joe DeSena because. He is some, he's a founder of Spartan Races for people that don't know who he is. And uh, I met him in Orlando. We were both speaking at an event and it was hilarious because at the end of this event, there was about 16 of us sitting around a table all telling stories. Mm. And I've got some great stories, but Joe's stories They're another level. Were, were just another level, yeah. like um, you know, cleaning swimming pools when he was a young boy. You've heard the stories, Well, right? the mobsters. Yeah, the for, mobsters for, for, and that someone, the... you know, a dead body coming out in a carpet yeah, that was exactly. rolled up and he's thinking, hang on a second, I uh, can't rival these you're stories. You're the only pool guy that we can trust because you've seen dead bodies, so you're now part of the... You're part of it. You're, you're part, part of, of the firm. But what he taught me was, uh, like you, it's, it's work in progress, that whole delay gratification. I yeah. think um, when we look at what makes a great human being, uh, you know, with in terms of fulfillment and uh, success, I think it is about our abilities. It's temperance. It's like if there was a door to a, the good life, I would say there's a few key elements, and one of them definitely is uh, self control. Yeah. So exactly. go, let's just go self control, self discipline. Yeah, yeah. And he's such a big pro proponent of that, um, <laughs> and teaches it in great ways. You know, he, so he uses, he uses this the whole physical element and the pain element and things like that to, to go into it. Well, we made a TV program called Everyday Spartans, and there was, I think, eight of us. And we went to, it was sponsored by Rakuten, and we went to uh, Mount Fuji, and we climbed Mount Fuji with a 20-kilogram kettlebell, yeah. which was... I've seen uh, that. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. It was ridiculous. It was great. It yeah. was great to climb Mount Fuji and, and see the the sun because it's you know japan is the the land of the rising sun mm. and then to go to vermont where joe lives but you know when you spend enough time with people 
you get to see what people are all about and and joe is all about you just keep going and yeah. and you you fight for what you want and 100 he's been a massive Grit. inspiration to me but i just want to let's go back and when you said if you could have if you could go back now and yeah. i could have shown you what you were going to do with one year no beer would you have done anything differently oh um well yeah, I'd like to get started on it sooner. I could have helped a lot more people by getting started on it sooner, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, all of it is part of the journey. You yeah. know, I needed to go through all of those things um, in order to, to, to get there to that spot. So I'm grateful for it all. And, and I'm grateful to be here today. And I'm grateful to have the, the business that I have that is impacting people's lives in the way it is. And, you know, it's been incredibly tough. You know, you, I, I can't wait to hear about your last year. But this this last year, we've 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 transformed the business, and now here we as we're we're looking to to go into our next leg of growth again. I now see such a bright future um, again, which has been hard because not seeing a bright future in your company is is tough. It's very difficult in your mental health and things like that. Um, but so back into this incredibly bright future, but also. I, I got to that point where I was very tested, you know, <clears throat> it was at the end and I was there going, why am I doing this? You know, it, it, it is, it has taken more from me than it's ever given me. And I, I, I'm just, I'm at my end here. I don't know why I'm doing this. And in that searching, as I look forward, I was like, well, hang on a minute. What is, what am I here for? What, what is it that I want to do with my life? Um, and, it t when I looked at all the boxes of helping people is so key to who I am as a, as a human, um, that, that having an impact in the world, speaking, inspiring, leading, leading by example, forging a new path, like challenging the status quo and disrupting the norms and the beliefs with better, better science, better concepts, better products, better programs. Well, that's, that's what I want to do with my life. I just want to spend my life doing that, nothing else. Well, I'm in the I'm in the vehicle, so it doesn't matter what happens to the 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 revenue or the people or the staff or the anything else. I'm doing what I was put on this planet for. So just keep going. So what is that? What were you put on this planet to do? This. So you know um, what's fascinating when you said that because it sounds like you got to a point of almost giving up. It just reminds me of that story, Three Feet from Gold in think and grow rich where the yes. guy charles schwab you know literally yeah. finds some gold and then it all dries up and yeah. then he gives up and he, right before it, the seam yeah and then he gives it sells the equipment to some bloke down the road and yeah, the bloke down nothing. the road yeah and he goes down and he finds the biggest vein of gold that had ever been found yeah but what's fascinating about charles schwab is that he then used that as a driver to build the, i think the biggest insurance brokerage in the world at that time but it is interesting isn't it how that is so easy to give up mm. and if you just keep going then all of a sudden it sounds like a, it's, know, it's hard to know when to give up i think mm. because because i've heard i mean I, I saw a quote from richard branson which said if you're not having fun go and do something else mm. um it wasn't bloody fun it was yeah, miserable yeah. it was utterly shit excuse yeah. my french in a business which is declining and everything everyone's jumping out the pan and that's that's miserable it's not yeah fun. yeah but you've got to go through that. Otherwise, I'd have just quit and gone. No, oh, I'm going to go and do something more fun. Yeah. No, um, it was about sticking it through and 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 you know staying at it, which is what Joe absolutely teaches. I mean, <laughs> we go back onto him, but like the most resilient man on the he planet. He is. I mean, some of the <laughs> athletic feats that he's done in his life. 
But not just the business feats. He runs a business yeah. which gets people to jump over obstacles, yeah. right? Uh, and and then COVID hits. I, I, asked, I, mean, <laughs> I, I called him when that all kicked off and I just said, Joe, is there anything I can do for you? And I'll never forget. I wish I'd recorded it. He said, Pete, this is why I train. I train for these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I know he was recently over in um, the Ukraine. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he's definitely someone. I think it's so important to have good people in your life who can you can talk to, but also just to, just to inspire you. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And so um, how did you how did you meet Joe? Oh, well, I, I was at this, we were both speaking at this event in Orlando. Mm. And then it, he, he heard this. Okay, so he, we were going around the table telling stories. And I've got some great ones, but his stories, they were just, I, I couldn't compete. But he liked some of the things I said. And I told him that uh, it was 13 years ago now. I can't remember how many years ago this was, but the, I told him that my wife, had been given 18 months to live. So this was, like I said, 13 years ago. And obviously, I'm sure you can imagine. Actually, we weren't even married this time. So um, I, I've always believed there's an answer to everything. You know, my, that's what my mum showed me. And my dad always said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So I told, I've told this story so many times. Um, I found a, I had a coach when he was alive. He lived in Dallas. He was from the Philippines. I called him up. He was like Mr. Minyagi. I worked with him for 16 years. I called him up. I asked him what I should do. He said, find people that are still alive with the same brain tumor and find out why. Find out what did they do. Uh, I would never have thought of that. Wow. I know it sounds like such an obvious thing, but I yeah, never but would because I was just like not just far from here. I was in, in Hampstead um, and I just... But then it was the next thing he said, which blew my mind. He said, ask her what she's going to do when she gets better. I said, I've just mm. told you she's been given 18 oh. months. And he went, so what? People defy the odds all the time. 100%. I didn't ask her that question for three years, that question. But I did find people that were still alive. She had an eight and a half hour operation on her brain, radiotherapy. The tumor came back. I found a treatment in Houston, Texas, which cost um, probably over $200,000. Um, we went there. It was pretty challenging, um, but it worked. And, um, you know, when you, and then three years later, I asked, uh, you know, Raphael asked me to ask you what you're going to do when you, when you, when you get better. And she started crying and I thought she was crying because she didn't see a future, which is ridiculous because everybody sees a future. Everybody. That's how, and I didn't know that. Even with everything I knew, I, I, I thought we were quite driven by our past, but of course our past affects us. But what is the future that you see? Most people see the future today, tomorrow, next week, but they don't see themselves in a future beyond a few days and weeks and months. So why would you have empathy for a future self you don't know? Um, which is where all my work now really is. But it's amazing why I had to go through to get to that point. But the crazy part of the story is um last year she was given she was re-diagnosed this time it was like really aggressive it was a glioblastoma multiform which is the most aggressive brain cancer she was given just a few months to live oh, God. i know i know and i have to tell you, i almost just felt like giving up because her right side of her body was failing she couldn't get out of bed um i i we couldn't go back to america for 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 the the treatment that she had but there's a few people I know that would just wouldn't let that happen. You know, you're only as good as the people around you. And mm. I've just got a few people. And um, I found a treatment in Germany. You couldn't make this up. Okay. All they've done is put two viruses in her brain. 
the chickenpox virus and another virus called the Newcastle virus directly into the brain near where some of these tumours were. It's triggered an immune response that whatever was there is gone. Wow. Yeah. It is, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm not going to swear, but it's just unbelievable. Honestly, wow. I, if you try, if I try to convey to you, yeah. I don't think th th there are words because it's almost beyond what I thought was possible. And, you know, she's, she's about 90% of where, you know, where she was. I mean, she couldn't move her right side. She can move, she can walk. The other day, where were we? Where we were, we had an event in London and, you know, she's walking. And I said to her, I said, you know, we mustn't take this for granted because if this had been a few months ago, we'd be going, well, we'd have to get a taxi. It's only over there. Mm. Or we wouldn't go. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, my thing Amazing. is my greatest test is my greatest testimonial. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing the answers and the solutions that are out there. But I think you've got to be bold and daring enough to look. You know, and that to me is what courage is. Mm. And I, that's why I love what you're doing. And yeah. I've always loved what you're doing because I've met so many people that are in your, your circle yeah. that feel a sense of achievement and pride because of something that they did. You yeah, didn't do exactly, it. Exactly. I didn't do it. Yeah. They did it. And it's theirs. Yeah. And I love that. I'm not a big fan of, so let me tell you a quick story. Alcoholics Anonymous, as we know, is the most successful behavioral change program in the world. I'm personally, at, what, it wouldn't, it's not for me, but it might be for other people, you know, because it, if it works for you, fantastic. But I never forget years ago, it's just, this is like maybe 20 years ago, I was doing a weight loss group and this woman stood up. Oh, no, she just put up her hand and said something. And she said, I go to OA. And I, I said, what's OA? She goes, it's Overeaters Anonymous. So I said, what happens there? So she said, well, we go and I stand up. And I say, my name's Jane, I'm an overeater. And I said, when was the last time you over ate? She said, three years ago. So I said, that's amazing. I said, that's a, what an achievement. She goes, yeah, but the, th the thing is, I really do feel like overeating. And I said, well, if I keep getting up and saying I'm an overeater, I think I'd probably, f and I didn't say anything else. And I, I didn't want to get into a debate. She went to the next meeting and she got up in the beginning and she said, hi, my name's Jane, I'm in control. And uh, at the end, the organizer just said, you cannot say that. And, you know, obviously it works for a lot of people, but it's like, where's the power? And what I see in what you're doing is people have got their own power. It's theirs. 100%. 100%. It, was, that, was that always your kind of goal and mission with One Year No Beer? It was orchestrated like that. Yeah, 100%. Um, it was orchestrated on the back of positive psychology and and all of the understanding. Because Andy, who I originally set it up with, yeah, he'd done a a degree in positive psychology. I'd been studying this stuff since I was twelve years old, um, and you know the whole. I, I don't want to get into AA bashing. No, um, I mean, look, it works for a lot of people, you know, and and to say it's for everybody is that's crazy, exactly. right? You know, it's like find your own path, find your own way. hundred percent. But to say that you always will have a problem, I don't buy into that. I don't buy into personality testing. I don't buy into well, it's identity. Not what the science shows us anymore. It it was in 1950. Yeah, but it's 2023. Yeah, so. and I, there's a few people out there that are doing some amazing work in this field of identity, personality, yeah. and you know, you can create a new self. So tell me about some of the, because I know there's so many stories, but are there any kind of stories that really stand out for you in terms of what people that have been through one year no beer? 
Oh, I mean, there's incredible, incredible stories. Um, so uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Mark in Dubai, um, five rounds of IVF, told they would never get pregnant naturally. Um, I don't know what five rounds of IVF feels like, but just saying those words, that's a lot of pain right there. Yeah. Um, and um, then uh, hmm. gave up alcohol 100 days and pregnant naturally. Um, so, you know, they actually named their child Amber after the one year no beer logo. Um, and, um, I have two kids, um, a lady who came and she was like, I'm not even a particularly big drinker. I do half a glass of wine to a glass of wine a night, but it's usually every night. Um, I've had lifelong anxiety. I've been on anxiety medication, almost all different types of anxiety medication can't get rid of this anxiety. And then she's like day 13 and all of a sudden this lifelong anxiety disappears. Don't touch my meds. Um, I posted into the community and said, what one reason would you give somebody to um, take a break from alcohol? And it had over 500 comments in 24 hours. Um, and Why? What do you think it was about that? Well, I think it gathered, it gathered steam, but people were coming up with more and different things. Huh. And when we cut through them all to try and find, there were 280 individuals. So there were repeats, yeah. but 280 different things from lower blood pressure, reduced cholesterol, you know, so health things, and then family and being present and authentic and my skin looks better, my eyes are brighter, um, I can look at myself in the mirror again, right? You're looking at all of this stuff and you're like, good Lord, if I could just invent a pill, right? And then put all that shit on the cover of the pill and go, hey guys, this pill is going to give you all of this stuff and all you have to do is not drink while you're taking it. It's, it's amazing. So Yeah, there's something, when you were talking, I was just thinking about how, why we drink and what alcohol can do you know and i think I, when i was young you know i feel amazing thinking i'd never get hangovers and then obviously getting to a certain age where i start getting them but it's that power of i'm in control of what i do mm. i think for me that's more powerful than than the feeling of of drinking and feeling like yeah. i'm not in control yeah so um, when did when did you change your relationship with alcohol well, I grew up around drugs and alcohol, um, and I had a really bad experience on LSD when I was 15. Um, in fact, I was having a great night, and um, I took it, didn't feel anything. Then I had two pints, and then all of a sudden, the whole world changed. <laughs> and uh, then I got beaten up because of something that had happened the night before. And that really kind of gave me a different spin on drugs because i took it again a year later and i regretted taking it and that was not a good idea <clears throat> and it always put this thing of i, I don't want to be out of control and alcohol and, and all these other types of things that we can do there's always that danger of i don't really know what's going on and i want to be in control and i've seen what it's done to so many people i've lost friends you know to, to drugs alcohol and i want to live a very long life and it's pretty easy to work out that they don't really mix long life doesn't doesn't go hand in hand with excess mm. i mean some people can drink and, and a couple of glasses and i'd just rather not do it we're seeing that that transformation happening in society right sentia um professor david nuts yeah. new new you know he's trying to create alcosynth um you know you could say well why does society need something to to numb out 
Well, it's exactly that. Look at the bloody world we live in. Yeah, right? absolutely. We live in this world um, of ultra high stress and, and massively overstimulated nervous systems. I'm not surprised that we feel like having something, but let's give them something which isn't 100% poison, you know, an yeah. alternative. I'm a massive fan of, uh, of mushrooms. I've yes. been in the mushroom world. Well, if you look at the history of the Psilocybin, just for clarity, you're not out there having, uh, you know, button mushrooms at no. lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, mu mushrooms, I mean, they're they're older than us. They share a very similar DNA to us. And when my wife was given... Are you sure they're older than you? Well, possibly. <laughs> we have to, have to test that. Yeah. But... Um, I, when my wife was first diagnosed, that was that was probably the one thing that she's been most consistent with is taking reishi or Ganoderma. Right. You know, there's over three thousand medical studies on it, mm. uh, and that's only because pharmaceutical companies reishi are, reishi or is, is it R E I? -S -S so this is a form of it's mushroom. a mushroom. Is, is it, it psilocybin? Was, no, no, no. Okay. It's not. Um, but psilocybins are, are also amazing as well for yeah. depression. I mean, amazing, and all that research was kicked out you know and because it's Amazing. still considered a class a drug and it's like nonsense and obviously i'm not advocating people go out and do them i think if you're going to do am. a thing like that <laughs> well i think if you do them you probably <laughs> want to do it under the guidance of, definitely of someone you know not just wildly in a, in a hill well, somewhere my brother like we did to. i mean i grew up i grew up around that and you know it was that whole thing of drugs and that whole it's very 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 different in a clinical setting yeah no, i mean i did i did a power of drugs yeah. when i was younger um ibiza and stints and got my health everything but injecting uh, I was I was all in on, um, and then when I started to do therapeutic um, uh, psychedelics, that's a whole another world. Yeah, you, if you think about where <laughs> we're going to be, even the same stratosphere. Where, where we're going to be in about ten years time? Yeah, I think these things will be just an everyday part. Welcome of. to the restaurant. Um, now, would you guys like to feel more in love together, or would you like to a bit more party and up, or would you like to feel calm and relaxed? What would you like? Do you know what? It's 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 date night, so we'd really like to feel more in love. Great. Here's your MDMA drink. Yeah, MDMA is definitely also yeah. Well, Again, it will be, this in the next two years, MDMA is going to be legalized for therapeutic intervention yeah, in the UK. Yeah. So my brother's a psychotherapist and one of his uh, friends, we, I was talking to her and she was saying about all the big conferences now of psychotherapists and they're all looking at MDMA. Totally. <laughs> they're all looking at uh, for the therapeutic effect. I, I, well, I mean, I'm trying to stay right up on the top of this stuff because it's so intrinsically linked. I've no doubt that we will be a part of that movement for uh, one year, no beer will be when we, when we get there, when it's legal. Oh, that's great. When, no it, when doubt, it is legal. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, mushroom. But, but in the UK, so um, Ronan Levy, big shout out to you, who wrote, runs Field Trip Health, very pioneering. Um, and, um, you know, they're now, they can send um, ketamine into the US for home interventions and things. I think there's a huge transformation there. There is health insurers in the US offering psychedelic therapy as an employee benefit. Hmm. This is way more mainstream than most people even realize. It's coming fast. It's very exciting. Um, so Yeah, it is. I mean, when again, if you look at the, the history of mushrooms, They've been around longer than us. They share a very similar DNA to us. Um, I mean, I've been taking reishi every day for uh, 14 years. I have it in coffee, mm. have it in tea. Cool. And I've had one, two colds. I did I, I did get COVID in uh, December, but, you know, I'm just, it's so good for you. Yeah. I need to these check out this Well, these adaptogens, you know, these... Yeah. Um, it, this particular mushroom was reserved for the emperors and many of the emperors 
in China had over a thousand mistresses. So if you've got over a thousand mistresses, yes, wow. anything in nature like that's a powerful. Headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything in, in, in nature that's powerful. Not a do. No, I'm joking. Love <laughs> your wife. <laughs> but you know, the, the funny thing is that uh, if you were caught with it, the first offense, they'd chop your arm off. Second offense, they'd chop your head off. Mm. But there were just things out there. But it definitely requires people to look outside of the box. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I, I really encourage people to do just to to look at things and not be curious. Be curious and don't listen to the freaking rhetoric that we've been told because yeah. it's, most of it is bullshit. It's bullshit around alcohol. It's bullshit around the concept about drugs, war on drugs, what drugs are right or wrong and all of this stuff. Challenge it. Challenge those norms. But here's, here's my experience. I have done hundreds possibly thousands of hours of therapy since six years old, right? CBT, psychotherapy, psychodynamic therapy, you name it. I've been put into this therapist and that therapist and this counselor, right? I've done so many hours of talk therapy and nothing of the past comes anywhere near as close as one experience with psychedelic drugs. I'm going to compare it like this for a second. So at the <laughs> German neuroscience hospital with a brain EMDR um, uh, unit on my head, monitoring my brain waves at the, at the highest level we can, um, with ketamine drip in my arm, with a psychotherapist that I have spoken to probably about eight hours about my life and things like that. And we're going, we're, we're going targeted to some specific traumas, right? So we've yeah. discussed it and she's guiding me and there's some music on and everything else. I'm going to compare it like this. It's basically the physical, the mental version of this. You've had your arm cut off. It's just cut off like this. You can see all the drama happening, right? But you can't feel it. Now, you know psychologically that it's painful, but you're looking in at all the detail and technicolor. That's what it's like emotionally. There's no barrier that comes down. There's no, oh, I can't go there. Anyway. I even knew in moments that I was bawling my eyes out at incredible shame. I could feel this enormous shame. But I was in it going, wow, look at this shame that I'm feeling. It's, and it's no comparison to yeah. traditional therapy. Yeah, no, I, I came across these, uh, what would you call them? These sessions that people do. Psychedelic therapy? Yeah, just the, th the therapy set. Yeah, the yeah. psychedelic therapies with people who knew they were going to die. Yeah. And the impact mm. that had on them making yes. peace with death. And, you know, there are so many powerful things in nature that have been rubbished and poo-pooed. And it's amazing when you open your eyes. So I saw a documentary the other day about um, a study that was done here in London with psychedelics. Yeah. And you could see the impact that it had on many of these people. The, the The sad thing was that they just had the the therapies and that was kind of it when really you could see that they could have done with a few more sessions. Um, mm. But it's amazing the subjects that, you know, when we just start talking the subject, we, we go to the things that we're passionate about. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. What is it that you're really, really passionate about? Helping people. Um, yeah. But in, in a way... Um, yeah, I think that core part, helping people and disrupting or trying to challenge the traditional thinking yeah. um, and and think about it from a different perspective and then use all my resources, oops, use all of my resources, all of my skills or understanding, tenacity, drive um, to try and forge that new path. So, yeah, I think that um, – and I, I can see – psychedelics are being disruptive and the future of it being very disruptive and i think also then but technology is going to play a part in that uh, that piece and um yeah i think 
lots of exciting developments there. What about you? In what in what sense? What, what, well, my what passion. Yeah, you? the same thing as I'm passionate about helping people look to the future in such a way where they're inspired and yeah. they're excited. You know, it seems to take a disaster, a crisis for people to change. And many of these things that we go through is great in terms of who we can become so on think, the back of it. You think people need to hit a rock bottom? Not necessarily, but then I think it can be quite helpful to get to that point. Mm. I just like it where you see people who get up every day and they're excited about what they're going to do. Um, and that's inspiration. You know, the difference between, I mean, motivation is what's moving people. We know what tends to move people is a crisis, a disaster, a prognosis. But unfortunately, when people get out of a crisis, they tend to revert back to an old familiar story of who they are. I like people reinventing themselves, creating new identities, new personalities, yeah. saying, you know, a personality is all basically you're saying yes to. What you're saying yes to, you're saying yes to what you, you think you are. But there's been some amazing studies. There's uh, Dr. Um, Professor Daniel Gilbert. Um, he talks about if you've got humans to stop and think, look at what you've done. Look at who you were. Mm. You'd look back and think, hang on, you are not the same person. Yeah, yeah. But how much of that was done just by reacting to, to life as opposed to a direction? Conscious choice. Conscious. I am, you know, when I was thinking about this, about, you know, Gandhi, be the change. Oh, you've, I've seen you've cited that. You know, yeah. what did he mean? Yeah. Be the change that you want to see in the world. What, what did that mean? For me, it, well, what did it mean to you? Because I, I lead by example, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think he knew, I think he knew who he needed to become. Yeah. You know, it's like when um, Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. It's like, well, he saw the dream. He saw himself in the future. He was prepared to reinvent himself. In fact, MLK said the, the most important question we should be asking each other is, what can I do for you? Yeah. How can I help you? And that, to me, gets me up every single day. What can we do? Yeah. Because that energy, to me, is that childlike energy of creativity that I just love that. I, I, I think I would, I would die very quickly if i wasn't choosing to be expressive yeah and i say die i don't necessarily mean no death but you mean i just be go downhill i become very depressed but you said you said that people it helps or you know it, it creates significant change for people to reach into a rock bottom but how does somebody create change without going there like if they want to, to want to create change they, they, they know that alcohol is showing up too much in their life or they know there's these problems how do they find that way to make change? Well, I think the first thing is to probably hang out with some people that have got similar aspirations to you. Get a coach. Yeah, a coach or just or, anyone or who's a, just yeah. excited about what we can do. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so think about what people. we did when we were young, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we went, I mean, your, your background and mine is very similar. I hated school. I've got one GCSE. I don't have English and maths. Uh, school to me was just a waste of time. It's just an absolute waste of time. I felt massively insecure. But despite all of that, I would still want to go out and play and do things and just, you know, not stand still. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, you know, mobile devices didn't exist when I was a kid because I think I would have really struggled with that. You know, I just, I'm a, I'm very easily influenced. I'm very easily swayed. But I suppose. Do you want to go to the pub? Yeah. <laughs> no, because already I could see how that might turn out, which would be ugly. And then I know tomorrow morning I'd feel like shit. And I get up at four Good. every day. So that ain't going to happen. Well done for you playing know, that forward then. Yeah, I'm just, I, 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 I can do that. I can think about the consequences. And, you know, I'm 53 this year and I'm, I'm aware that this has a, a limited time and I've just, thinking what can i do with the time i have it sums up that line in 
Lord of the Rings, I think when Gandalf says to Frodo, it's not about the time, it's about what we do with the time. And I just want to make the most of it. Yeah. What about you? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. Toby at school, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, what do yeah. you want to do with the rest of your life? Uh, yes, um, sun myself. Well, I already am sunning myself in in, in the lovely Mallorca. New York. No, no, I mean, um, genuinely, what I what I am doing. The only part I would add on to that is, I really believe that um, technology will play a part in helping people change their relationship with alcohol faster and earlier in the journey. Yeah, um, and I want to go down that road. Um, if I, I, I have this phrase that prevention should always swim upstream. Um, and so <laughs> if, if, if I want to swim further upstream, then for me, it's like, how can I be, um, how can I be at the moment that somebody questions their relationship with alcohol? Right. So maybe it's the Saturday morning delivery driver. Um, hey, are you feeling a bit hungover today? You know, no, it's a joke. Um, but but, you know, that's where I think wearable technology comes in, being able to track your alcohol consumption, being able to see aura ring. Absolutely. Being able to see, um, you know, your alcohol content and what that's doing to you. I think that education. Yeah, that's part, definitely going to be huge amounts yeah, of that. Exactly. So so that is where I want to be. And, and at the moment, we're not really there. We're not doing that piece. Um, but you, but I'm sure are. you'll make your move. And when you do, oh, yeah. make it be the right time. Because I exactly. still think we're at fairly early day. You, we, you've we, got an aura ring as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, we use aura rings now in our um, high-level coaching program. So we have a, a, a really cool program. I'm, this is I'm incredibly proud of developing this program. Uh, but it's for business owners, senior leaders, execs. Um, it's an eight-week program where we basically help you remove alcohol but make some significant changes in your life that alcohol is just no longer relevant. Um, and part of that program, yes, some coaching and some also bits of like that, but we use a couple of cool technology devices. Um, one to remotely monitor your uh, nervous system to see if you're in sympathetic or parasympathetic. Yeah. Um, and um, we can help you change that because stress is such a big driver of, of uh, poor relationship with alcohol. But also uh, the aura ring because we basically call them if they don't meditate for a day um, and we kick them up the ass to yeah. meditate. Meditation, exercise, breath work, sleep, we keep them accountable to. So we know that if we can, over that eight-week period, we can aggressively help them create these habits. That habit, Habits are the life raft for compulsive behavior. Okay, so if you don't have your habits, then when the stormy sea comes, which could be grief, job loss, extra stress, any problem, that's the stormy sea. If you don't have your habits, yeah, your, the boat gets upturned and you just go down compulsive behavior land. Um, but if you have the strong habits, it gives you that part. So that's our part is like extreme accountability to build good you're habits. You're talking my language. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a book 22 years ago. I was one of the first people to write a book about habits. It was called Habit Busting. But there are there have been some much better books that have been written since then. But you're right, it's our superpower. Mm. It really is. And it's just that it's so much harder than just reading a book to create habits. Yeah. And that's why yeah. we've created this. Yeah, good is, for you. Because there's nothing better than perform I mean, I just like to help people perform better. Yeah. And if it, what measured gets often gets improved upon. And I I got or I actually used to use Whoop. Yes. Um, you I, moved to Aura. I, you I moved prefer, to Aura. Yeah. Um, but the the thing for me with this really is the main thing has been sleep. 
yeah. and I've been aggressively. People don't like it when I say that aggressively and <laughs> and, and relentless. People say, "What do you mean relentless?" You can't be relentless about everything. I said, I am. Yeah. I'm relentless about sleeping. Relentless about sleep. Sleeping. Relentless about meditating. Relentless about breathing. I'll practice my Wim Hof on the way up here. You know, it's like, I am relentless. The sleep is numero uno. And what I always say to everyone is, look, it's the reason why they use it as torture. Yeah. Right? Sleep deprivation is used as torture because you will, you just get so fucked up without it. So make that the number one. Go aggressively at it. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 got on top of your sleep. What did you do? I just made it a priority because yeah. I was getting up at four. Then you know you look at the data and then you just realize, okay, I've got to go to bed early. And yeah. thankfully, my wife so you is go support- to bed at eight. Yeah, I mean my my normal now is between well, it's supposed to be between seven fifteen and eight fifteen. Have you got kids? No, no. Yeah. I mean, obviously that would that would be that would be different. I mean, last night I had six and a half hours, and I my score was eighty. But my score has been what's been really interesting is just much more deep sleep. Yeah, and much more REM sleep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of ignored that for years. And I think you can only ignore things for a certain amount of Completely. time before you. But uh, I, I want to ask you, I, I want to ask you something. Uh-oh. Yeah, as, this is what I love to do. I love saying, to ask this. It's, about, this eulogy, it's about our eulogies. Uh, you tell me yours and uh, I'll tell you mine. So I'm just, <laughs> just give you an idea. You of, what I'm going to say at my funeral. Uh, what you'd like someone to say. So, so think about it, right? Legend. Uh, yeah, legend. That's it. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Keep it short, please. Uh, you know um, Stephen Covey's uh, seven habits. The yep. second is to begin with the end in mind, and he talks about you know you go into a room and you see a casket and you're in it and you realise it's over, and people are going to be speaking about you. How is it you would like to be remembered? Well, um, I, I sort of jokingly say sometimes. Um, so we'll add it in and then we can discuss it. Um, but written on the gravestone, I want the man who proved moderation was possible. Um, and, uh, I mean, of course, everyone knows that people can moderate, yeah. but I think that our, there's a great misunderstanding perpetuated often by these old institutions with old science that says that somebody who's had a compulsive behavior cannot ever moderate that compulsive behavior and that they're going to be powerless and a slave to it. Um, but I don't particularly... In, in truth, I don't really want my eulogy be, to be a, an attack at anything. I would only ever want it to be a positive thing. You know, A, he's been incredibly positive. These yeah. these ways of 12 steps, incredibly Absolutely. positive. So, uh, so so I don't even want to go against that. There is no, even, the, even to say about alcohol companies or, you know, my purpose here is much greater than that. Alcohol is just a stepping stone, right? This is about addiction. This is about compulsive behavior. And this is about society living a better life and helping people to live better lives. And I use the tool of alcohol to be able to get a straight conversation with people that they need to change their lives the tool is alcohol um yeah no i like i I really like that i say to people often that alcohol showing up prevalent in your life is a gift so be grateful the gift is that you're you need to make some changes in your life and you're and and thankfully this is showing up and directing your attention to say hey come on we're not going in the right direction here let's make some changes um so then it's about finding the guide to to take you on that journey. Anyway, uh, yes, I think similarly to my dad, I mean, I read my eulogy at my dad's. Um, you read his eulogy? Yeah, I, 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 I wrote it and it. read it. Yeah. Um, and he was it's a huge, huge part of everything what I do really is, is my dad, a huge, huge part. Um, and so I think many of the words that I've used to describe my dad and his eulogy, I would want at mine. Pioneer. 
um, you know, um, Hellraiser. Yeah, well, a bit of that. Game for changer. Sure. Game outlier. changer. Outlier. Disruptor. Yeah. Um, you know, made an impact in the world. That. I wrote a letter to Richard Branson when I was 14 and I said, I'm going to change the world one day and I'm looking forward to having lunch with you. So hopefully in my eulogy, it will say he changed the world and he also had lunch, lunch with Richard, Richard Branson. Branson. <laughs> it's interesting you said that about your, about your dad because I, I gave my dad's eulogy and I spoke about this this morning. Um, it was so packed the the where he was cremated in Golders Green. There was, I don't know, 100, 200 people outside watching on screens and my dad... But there was lots of emails and letters that were written and I read them all and mm -hmm. there was a theme and the mm. theme was he had time for everybody and he made people feel valued and supported and listened to. Lovely. And that's the same thing. I, I, I want people to feel they were heard. Yeah. You know, Big they thing. felt included. Yeah. I mean, in a world that is so divided, but yet is so connected, exactly. there's so much disconnection and lo we've got so a minister much. of loneliness yep. in our British government. I mean, <laughs> what's he doing? He must be, it must be a lonely job. <laughs> boom, boom. You know, it's like, let's just we be a minister of loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this in the government. Yeah. What, I don't know what, what I don't know what their name is. I've, I've I kind of read it and thought this is rubbish. No, but it, it's not because it's a problem, but the solution to the problem is let's connect. And I think mm. that's where you and I align is on that. Let's be the change. Let's be an example. Let's not, be like everybody else and be like, because I think the most closely resembling animal to human beings is sheep. Mm. I just think sheep, you know, they're just the herd mentality. And Sometimes when I'm on the M25, I think we, <laughs> humans are basically sheep. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it, we all just sort of fall into line. But I've tried very hard all my life not to be a sheep. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. No. So why don't we end this by both of us showing, throwing out there. Well, you didn't, so you read out. Oh yeah, mine. So thank yeah. you. So definitely would be similar to, to my, what, what they said, what I said about my dad. Mm. You know, I want to people to have felt better because I was in their life. Yeah. Uh, and that feeling to be passed on to everyone they meet. I, I don't know where that expression comes from. You're, you're as live as long as people remember you. I'm not so bothered about being remembered, but definitely having had an impact, you know? I like that because the one one that does fuel me, and again, it's all ego, I'm sorry, but if my ego drives me to it's possibly impact people's lives, then who cares? Um, um, but at least I'm being honest about it. But it is the scene from Troy, and that plays over in my head a lot. You know, Which so he, he hops up under the horse okay. and the little boy is there and he's like, oh, you know, uh, why are you going out or something? Like that? I can't remember exactly. And he and and then Brad Pitt turns to him and says, that's why no one will remember your name. Yeah. And uh, and then off he goes. So, um, yeah, making an impact and and having that is, yeah, is some, that's what I want to do. So um, bring me up to speed. What are you up to at the moment? Um, what are, Yeah. What are you doing? So uh, I'm doing quite a bit of speaking at the moment and um I'm doing quite a lot of coaching. Um, yeah. I have a coaching community of people um, all over the world um, and just really enjoying supporting people as they go out and build their future self. So everything I do, I, 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 I believe that we have a future, future self that's talking to us. Mm -hmm. And I like to be the, the communication channel, like a lawyer who's representing your future self. Nice. Coming back to you and saying, your future self is talking to you. You need to start listening. Yeah. So a lot of my work is around that. I've got a, a book that will probably come out later this year called How to Create Your Fantastic Future Self. Lovely. Um, what else am I doing? I'm sure there's some other things I'm doing. Everything I do, I just love. 
Um, and awesome. I'm sure there was something. Oh yeah, um, I've got some YouTube videos which have gone ridiculously viral, like over five million uh, affirmations. So my, you know, I, wow, I, good yeah. For you. Um, and so check you out on YouTube. Yeah, if Pete you Cohen. Pete Cohen. Yeah, you'll find me. And the podcast. Future self. Future self. So, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So, um, well, what is it about future self? Because it's, it's interesting. I, we just did a whole piece around future vision and getting your vision clear just in December <laughs> now. Um, getting a vision clear and then replaying the vision and using that that um, visualization techniques on a regular basis. So w what is it about that? So that so what happens with, with visualization for a lot of people is, you know, we can see a future and we can be excited about it. But there's often one thing missing, which is themselves. They don't actually see themselves in that vision. Um, because the way I look at it is we have the dignity of choice as humans. And most people are living a default future. So the science around this is really fascinating that most people, at the back of their mind, they know what they're doing is creating a future they don't want. But they live in ignorant of that. They just put it to one side. But mm -hmm. It's like at the back of their head. Yet... We also have the ability to use a term in psychology called prospection, which is, you know, human beings, we can create multiple different futures. Yeah. But the future that you see, who are you in that future? Because if I showed you in five years' time and said, this is you, Rory, in five years' time, you'd probably see that that you is even more fulfilled than you are. Why Do I look it? like Brad Pitt? Uh, no. Oh. You've got a little bit less hair. <laughs> yeah, but even less now. Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to look like you then? Yes. My sh yeah, no, you are. But you're going to be wiser. Yeah. You're going to be more loving. Yeah. You're going to be more courageous. You're just going to be better. Thanks. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. But you know, <laughs> but you know that, right? You, you know that's the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the future. So I always want it now, though. But you know that everything you're doing is creating that. But mm. you're obviously, that's probably one of your challenges, like like me, is the impulse control. Impulse, impulse control. We want it all now. Yeah. But I think as we get older, we realize that our future self is where it's at. Yeah. And I'm committed to becoming, I know the person. And I didn't know that for years because I was running away from the feeling I, was, I wasn't good enough. So I was doing lots of things, but I didn't actually know where it was going. Mm. It was until I decided to be committed to my future self. And look, I'll give you two examples. Um, Matthew McGonaghy won the Oscar in 2013. When he gave his speech at the end, he says... And lastly, I want to thank my hero. And he tells the story of, you know, when he was 15, someone came up to him and said, so who's your hero? He goes, I don't know. And he saw the person two weeks later and the person said, have you thought about it? He goes, yeah, it, it's me in 10 years time. Mm. And he goes, that's who I'm pursuing. And that sounds like a, a nice idea. But then Stephen Bartlett, I introduced Stephen at an event in Brighton. He said when he was 15, he knew who he was pursuing. And he said the biggest risk was not to pursue that. The biggest mm. risk would have been to stay doing what he's doing. And the, and the, the last example is, uh, is Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, the most successful YouTuber in the world, I think eight years ago, made four videos. He scheduled those videos to go out six yeah, months that's a right. year. It's amazing. And he's talking to his future self. And that's the, I wish I'd worked that out a long time ago, but I've worked it out now. If you can, and I look, I've worked with some of the greatest athletes who have ever walked this earth. Olympic champions, world champions. I worked with Ronnie O'Sullivan for for two years and when he came to see me he wasn't in a good way you know he was really not in a good way he made an appointment to see me for two hours he stayed with me for three days and after a couple of days we started talking about okay well what do you want we wanted to win again right so i said how do you, how would you know you'd won and he looked at me like i was mad because he could see he's holding the trophy again and then i said ronnie that's not you 
that could be you. Do you want to become that person? Then we've got to start certain behaviors and we've got to stop certain behaviors. And one of those stops was alcohol. Mm. One of those starts was exercise. And he's very, 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 very consistent. And yeah. he, he can moderate, but he has to be careful, like yeah. most people. And his his num number one non-negotiable is running, you know, and he's chasing down his future self. I need to get him on the podcast. Yeah, well, I'll um, <laughs> you know, let's let's do it. But um, yeah, that is that's 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 amazing, and the the concept of chasing down your future self. So, is there a practice of of yeah. recreating this future self that you envision? Yeah, What's no, the practice? of course. Well, okay, this is what I've been working on for a long time, and I think I'm. I'm blowing my own trumpet but i think i'm Blow. one of okay i think i'm one of the i'm pretty amazing at helping people go track chase hunt pursue their future self there's a number of different things you know we've created a couple of really simple meditations one is that you actually go on a train and you go and meet your future self and some people you know it's difficult for them to see it to start off with but if you kept doing it you know, this is the great thing about our imagination. We can come up with ideas and we can make them happen. Uh, there's another exercise. It's, it's, it's so obvious. Um, someone said this to me once. They said, imagine that you go in a car and you're taken somewhere and the person who's driving and says, you need to get out here. And there's a big concreted area. And he said, you just need to walk over there because there's someone over there that wants to meet you. Mm. And as you start walking there, you realize that there is someone coming towards you and you look at that person and you think, hang on, that person's a bit familiar. Oh my God, it's you in the future. Mm. And and you you can talk to your future self. What would your future self say to you? I, I look, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person, yeah. but we all know that voice that we all have, the voice of whatever people want to call it, shadow, the yeah. chimp. But for me, that's the past the path of resistance. And we always gonna it never sleeps, it never wanes, it never it's always there. But how do you drown that out? How do you you could use Lose. it? booze which is what often people do <laughs> exactly you know, i just i can't and then and then when you stop drinking that voice is even louder than it was louder, before much louder but for the romans you know the word genius if you go and google the word genius and you look at its etymology it doesn't it means the moral authority the moral guide some people call that you know your higher self or god for me the, my moral authority is the person i'm committed to becoming and i don't always get it right and i sometimes wish i'd behaved in a different way but that keeps me going every day is to know that the, uh, there's a better me out there to pursue. So it's fascinating. So it's fascinating. What, so you, your future self, which one are you in touch with the most? 10 years, five years? I suppose that's a good question. I don't really think it's five or 10 years. It's just, it's just, it's just so me. There's no specific time. No. Okay, but what's different? Stronger, wiser. Just physically stronger. Physically stronger. More wiser, more loving. I just want to. I mean, it's, again, it sounds a bit cheesy, but I just want to give love, be love, and my future self is more loving than me, and so I'm always as aspiring to be better. Mm. With you know what someone said to me the other day is blew my mind. They said uh, when you listen to someone, imagine that you're listening to them for the first time, and then in my head I went, oh shit, my wife, you know, yeah. my father-in-law. Yeah, I don't listen like I could. No. So there's work to be done. Yeah. Do I want to do that work? Yeah, I do. There's an incredible TED talk. Um, I wish I could remember the name. Um, she was a she was a, a child support line, um, which she did for many years, and then she did this TED talk about listening, um, and she's like, just the, the the power of just listening is what is saving these kids 
lives and being able to understand how to listen. It's so good. I'll put the link in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, no, please. I would um, like to see that. Because it is, a, it is amazing. I think her name's Catherine. I can't remember, but it's really good. Well, that whole listening piece is... Oh, yeah. I think when, when, you, when, you, when you take time to be with yourself, you can, you, you can start to feel and trust the moral authority within us mm. that just knows. But yeah. that's, again, I don't know everyone, but my curiosity, like my curiosity when I met you is as high as it's ever been. It's more. You know, who are you? Why are you doing this? What impact is it having? And then over the, since the last time we met, honestly, I've met so many people and many of them, because I worked for Spartan for a while and mm. many of those people were Spartans and they feel like they're, I'm in control of my life. This is my life. Yeah. And what's fascinating is that often people get over th something, but it's like, well, now what are you going to do? Mm. That's why I get really excited. That's obviously what you're doing now as well is let's get, you've done that. Now, what can you do? Yeah. What's next? Don't settle and go back. It's like, you've done this. Now, what can you do? Yeah. So, 100%, yeah. 100%. Fascinating to talk to you once again, my friend. Exactly. Um, well, Pete, keep shining the light. Yeah, you do the same thing too. Yes. I'll keep shining the light. You keep shining the light. Let's meet up every so often. Yeah. And, and, and see how, our, how we're going. So we can visualize our future selves having a podcast. The room's going to be better. It's a pretty good room. I, I like it. I yeah. like it. Maybe same room. Same room. Same, same room, time next but year. Better people. Yeah, with you and I not here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. It's a on the pleasure. Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the One Year No Beer podcast, where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol. If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below.